0: So why don't we just start with prayer. Father, oh, Father, I just thank you for your presence with us today. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and minister to each one of us. Lord, even though we're in different places around the city and around this nation and perhaps around the world, we know that we're joined by the Spirit of God and we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, give us revelation out of your word this afternoon. That just as we come and we worship and share together, that there'll be an impartation of your presence in your life into each one of us. Father, I just thank you for your presence now. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would be here. Amen. Now, the Bible is really clear. Romans 3.23, it says, for everyone has sinned and fall short of God's glory. It's interesting, you know, when you ask people, "Well, what does that actually mean? You get all sorts of answers. But generally, the answers are all about how we've not been good enough, how we've misbehaved, how things haven't been done right, that we haven't tried hard enough to live a good moral life. And so the solution to that problem is that we need to work harder to be better. We need to do good. Really, our job is to embrace a moral system, to live by it and thus become good people in contrast to being bad people. Well, I have news for you. That is not what God wants of us. God's goal for us is much more profound and much more beautiful than merely being good. It is to do the will of God by actually being loving, just as he is loving. God's goal for us is to to discover a relationship with him. And because we have discovered a relationship with him, we discover a new relationship with ourselves and with others around us. And it returns us to a state where we don't live by trying to to deal with good and evil, but we live in a place of freedom and beauty and harmony. Indeed, the goal is nothing less than for us to participate in the very love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have shared throughout eternity. I tell you, that changes everything. It means we derive our worth from God alone. And to live without, and to love without judgment and without conditions. And it's all on the basis of the unsurpassable fullness of life we get from God. Our job is to just love. And as we do this, the love of God eternally bides in us. And the world sees it and is drawn to it. Whatever good we need to do and whatever evil we need to avoid is done as a result of encountering this great love of God. You see, it says we fell short of God's glory. Well, God's glory is the radiant display of his divine nature. The glorification of God is the expression, the expansion and the display of the loving triune nature that is God. God wants people to whom he can express himself and as a result express who God is and how they relate to him, how they relate to themselves and how they relate to others. God does have a plan for mankind and God's plan each created individual would receive God's love and life filling the God-shaped vacuum in the core of his or her being. For every person to to replicate God's love and overflow by ascribing infinite worth to God as a source and to themselves and others as people of infinite worth because of who God is. In this way, the human community would replicate the perfect love that God eternally is. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Man chose to turn their back on God and to break the allegiance with God and go their own way. And because of this disobedience, there was a break between God and man. This break in intimacy that meant that man no longer could be who God created him to be. And the and the result was an existence that was full of disconnection. Disconnection not only between man and God, but from also from other human beings and ultimately in many ways from our own selves of knowing who we are and being happy with who we are. God never wanted it to be like that. God has always wanted a relationship between himself and man and he's always wanted it restored. John 3.16 states it so clearly for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift for us. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and to condemn the world but to be its savior and to rescue it. 1 John 3:16 says this is how we have discovered God rea- uh, sorry this is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Do you know that the supreme definition and example of love is Jesus Christ? In the person of Jesus Christ, especially in his dying on Calvary, we see what true love is like because we see what God is like. Jesus revealed a God who sacrificed himself for sinful humanity. In doing this, God reveals his nature, which is eternal, unsurpassable love. But you know what? You would never know this about God unless your eyes were fixed on Jesus. Jesus completely abolishes all ordinary ideas and, and expectations and expressions that people have of God. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is the image of God. This means that every idea we have about God must be centered on Jesus. In John 1.1, Jesus is also called the word of God. What that means is that when God expresses himself, we see Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, Jesus is called the reflection of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's very being. That means every idea or thought or expression of God must be understood in the light of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Philip comes to Jesus and he says, show me the Father. And Jesus responded, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You see, the only place we see the Father is the one who is his image, his word, his exact imprint, his son, Jesus Christ. To know the crucified Christ is to know all we need to know about God. It's found all in Jesus. Do you know the, the, the root of all sin is actually a lie? It's actually believing a lie about who God is. That he's not a loving, caring father who wants deep relationship with you. And what happens when our, our, our view of God is skewed? then our relationship with God and with others and with ourselves becomes skewered. But the opposite is also true. The root of all healing and growth in life is found in being rooted and grounded in the truth of who God is. And the truth is disclosed in the one who is the way, the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus. Now, not only is Jesus God with us, but he is also us before God. Scripture declares that when any when, when when anyone says yes to God's invitation, when anyone places their trust, their faith in Jesus, they are placed in Christ Jesus. And you know what? That isn't just a, a figure of speech or something nice to say. That describes a change in reality. Colossians 1 13 says, He has rescued us. Completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved Son. God transposed us from one domain, that of darkness, into another domain, the kingdom of light. Our identity becomes rooted or established in Jesus, in Christ. And when God does this, All that belongs to Christ is given to us by grace. Colossians 3 says, For you have acquired a new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, or your ethnicity, or your education, or your economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. You are always and dearly loved by God. You know, the whole of the Christian's identity is found in Jesus. As a believer, a follower of Jesus, you are now in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, my old identity no longer lives. The essence of my life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives in, lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Wow. My new life is empowered by the faith in the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So what does that mean? Well, you know, the Bible gives us a whole lot of descriptions, a whole lot of uh explanations of what it means for us to be in Christ. Here's just a sample of some of the things that scripture says every person who is in Christ is. They are redeemed and reconciled to God. They are given the free gift of eternal life. They are freed from condemnation, given grace and forgiven by God. They are set free from the law of sin and death by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They are ones who God has called the source of his or her life. They are set apart and called Holy One. They are established, set on firm ground. They are enabled to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. They are a new creation. They are given a blessing promised Abraham. They are made a child of God. They are one who has obtained an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfailing. They are blessed with every spiritual blessing. They are raised up and seated in heavenly places with Christ. They are given the immeasurable riches of God's grace. They are brought near to God, however far away they were once. They are called God's eternal glory. They are made participants in his divine nature. What an incredible list. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, this is how we truly are. Everything God is toward us and everything we are before God is found in Christ. You know, we see this powerfully expressed in a prophecy in Isaiah 42. When God prophesies of the coming Messiah, he says, I have given you as a new covenant to the people. He doesn't say that Jesus will simply make a new covenant with God's people. This passage says that Christ actually becomes the new covenant. Jesus literally is the new covenant between God and humanity. As the one and only God man, Jesus reconciles God and humanity in his very being. In God, we participate in God's own eternal love. God chose us in Christ Jesus, it says in the Bible, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. You see, from the very beginning, God chose to have a people who would be an object of his eternal love, as Christ is the object of his eternal love. And who would therefore be holy and blameless before him, just as Jesus is holy and blameless before him. God sought to acquire a bride for Christ who would receive and reflect the love of the Godhead, the triune community. And the only qualification of being incorporated into this radiant bride, of being loved with God with the same love he has for Christ, is simply that we are willing to let God do this for us. The very same love that the Father has for the Son is now given to us for we are in the Son. The perfect love that defines God throughout eternity, the ultimate, worth-affirming, mutually submissive love that eternally unites the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is now directed towards every person who is in Christ. This means that as you hear that sentence I just said, you could not be more loved than you are right now. The love that God eternally is burns towards you with the same unimprovable, passionate intensity that the three divine persons that are in the Godhead have for for each other. The perfect love that God eternally is is directed towards you right here and right now. It's not a secondary, compromised, watered down or derivative love. It's the fullness of the love of who God is. It is the one and same love that is shared by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the very act of loving Christ, God loves you. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I've shared with you the new identity that every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ has. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was 14 years old. I came to know him as my Lord and Saviour. But over the years, and especially recently, I've encountered the depth of this profound love that I've spoken about today. See, I missed out on that love for many years because I approached God with a point of view of, of duty and of obligation. I was saved and that was all that mattered as long as I was good enough. I didn't take hold of the truths of, of the love And the incredible connection and intimacy that God desires of his people that I've shared with you today. You see, we enter into the most profound, deep, loving relationship in all of existence. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ brings us into the dynamic of that relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We now live and exist at a new level as a new creation of this love relationship. 2 Peter 1 says, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that you, through the power of these through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of this world. See, not only are you born into this powerful relationship, this loving relationship, this wonderful relationship, but God has given us all that we need to live a life of victory, freedom and power. My encouragement this Easter, take hold of the glory of what God has done and move forward into the divine life that Jesus has provided through his death and resurrection. How do I do this? Well, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then my encouragement is to continue on to develop and grow in your walk with him. Or you may be in a position where you've been religious and gone to church, you've tried to be good and do the right thing. But as I've talked, you realize that you've not been in 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 a real relationship with God. Or you may have heard what I've said today and thought, I've never heard this before. You mean I can know God personally? Yes, that is available to you right now. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to come into a personal living relationship with Jesus. You've heard me speak about what God has done. You see the beauty of being a Christian. God wants you in relationship with him. And he does all the work for that relationship. So how do you respond? We respond by living in faith. Faith means to trust or to have belief in. Biblical faith actually means a new orientation of heart. So I'm inviting you to have faith in Christ. That means for you to trust in Jesus in the light of his faithfulness. We respond to Christ's faithfulness with our own faithful loyalty, devotion, and commitment. So here's how you do it. I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to repeat the words after me. So please do this if you would desire to know Jesus afresh today. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming and bringing me into your kingdom. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, for believing a lie about who you are. Jesus, I want to live my life for you. I ask you to come and take over my life. Jesus, I pledge my life to you. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. And today, Lord, I receive your free gift of eternal life. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, it opened the door for you to have a personal relationship. But you know, it's a little bit like a marriage. On the wedding day, the couple pledge a commitment to one another. But the important part is what follows. It's the marriage, the living together. Jesus wants to partner with you so that you can live the life he created you to live. If you prayed that prayer, then I want you to contact us. You see, being in a, a follower of Jesus, being a, an important part of being a follower of Jesus is being part of his family. So if you pray that prayer, I want you to contact us so we can help you on this new wonderful life you've just been given. All you need to do is comment on the sidebar of this or email us at office.liberty.family. Sorry, that's office at office.liberty.family. Okay, we'd love to hear from you. Well, what we want to do now is we want to take communion together. I know it's a little bit strange. I say take it together, but we're spread all over Auckland, and as I say, maybe even outside of Auckland. If you're not prepared, that's okay. You can go and grab something quickly now, or just join us to get a join with us as we do this. And you can even play this video back later in the week and do have communion again if you like. In 1 Corinthians 11, we read, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he was he had given thanks. He broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and this drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." Today, we want to take the drink and the bread, and we give all we give thanks for all that God has done. I'm going to pray, and then I want us to take the elements in our own time. There's going to be a song played that Mel's going to sing. Take time to not only take the communion, but to reflect and meditate on the glory of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that we've entered into, into this eternal, mysterious, loving relationship that we can have with God. So let's pray, shall we? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm, Father, your presence, your presence. Fresh impartation right now, Holy Spirit, to every house. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, I thank you for your blood and your body, given for us that we may have not only eternal life, but an eternal relationship with, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the life you've given us. We thank you for your sacrifice. And today, Lord, as we take this bread, as we take this drink, Lord, we do so in remembrance of you, proclaiming not only your life, but the life of you dwelling in us. And we thank you for that. Father, we bless you now. We just ask your presence as we do this together. Amen. So just take some time now. Take the bread, take the wine, uh, the drink, and just listen to the song of bells.